1993. 1993. That was the last time that a major championship on a national level was won by a Canadian team in either the NHL, Major League Baseball, or the NBA. That was the last time. No Canadian team has ever won the Super Bowl. That's never happened. 1993. It was the Toronto Blue Jays. It was their second consecutive championship. It was touch em all Joe. Came in the same year that the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup. That was quite a year, that 1993. Here we are, 2019. If you were to take someone born in 1993 and raise them to now, think about them. They would be 26 years old. Some of them might be married. 1990, but it could all change tonight. The Toronto Raptors will play the Golden State Warriors, possibly Kevin Durant on the other side. Still hasn't been confirmed, although Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Warriors, has said that you know they're, he's listed as questionable. So if he gets in, there wouldn't be a minute limit on Kevin Durant. The reason everybody talks about Kevin Durant, just in case you're not a basketball fan, he's won the MVP in the finals the last two years. He's a guy who's about seven feet tall, who acts like he's about 5'7". He just darts around all unbelievable athlete and when he jumps in the air he jumps over because he's almost seven feet tall he jumps over whoever is standing in front of him and has this beautiful look at the basket that's him however his jumping has been compromised by a calf injury normally calf injury eh, look at Zidane Char of the Boston Bruins he seems to be playing with a broken jaw that people from the St. Louis Blues continue to punch him in Last night, a little scrum. Hey, you got a broken jaw? Boof. There. Let's see. Let's see how broken it is. Calf injury, but let's face it. You need your calf to jump. And if you can make an injury worse, you tend to stay out of the lineup. He could return tonight. The entire city of Toronto is ready for this. The entire country of Canada seems poised and ready for this. It is rain or shine at what we've been calling, thanks to a very astute listener who elected to remain anonymous, Dundasic Park, that's going to be happening at Dundas Place. And that's rain or shine. So bring your slickers, your ponchos, your umbrellas. Actually, in the forecast, it looks like any kind of shower activity should be through and gone by then. We're going to check in on a couple of different things. We are going to actually nail down a big-time London connection to tonight. A Londoner who arrived in London in the mid to aught thousands. How do we classify that decade? Can somebody help me out? What is 2000 to 2009? It's not the 2010s. It's not really the 2000s because that encapsulates everything. What, how do we say that? We need to figure that out. You know what else we need to figure out? We'll do this this week. What kind of horn sound you need to say, hey, I see you, you're texting and driving. We're going to figure that out this week, but that's for another day. There's far too much going on right now. But there is a London connection who arrived in London in, I think, 2005, 2006, and has been here ever since. He is a statistician for the London Lightning, but he is a statistician for the Toronto Raptors. Not only that, he's been there since day one. He'll be at the scorer's table tonight in the position known as the primary. Carl Toulouse is going to join us on London Live, and boy, does he have some cool stories. 
He's been there since the beginning. How do you get a job like that? The story is amazing, and it involves being cut by a basketball team. That's so fitting. That is so amazingly fitting. Not the Toronto Raptors. Different team. And that comes after making a basketball team. It's an entire story. In an hour from now, we will have it for you. Our good buddy Weaver from Country 104, we're going to have to talk with him because he was at Jurassic Park in Toronto on Friday night. He can tell us what that was all like. We are going to speak with Brianna Carnegie in just a couple of minutes. Check your watches. Uh, in about two minutes from now, Brianna is going to join us, and she'll describe what downtown Toronto looks like. And we are also going to talk about other things that don't involve the Toronto Raptors. In a half hour, wait, there's more. It's a podcast, and we will meet the person behind it and what they will bring to you each and every day. And then, of course, big news earlier today, and you had to expect this was coming. Canada is going to move to ban harmful single-use plastics and hold companies responsible for plastic waste by about 2030 in the end. But even before that, we're, we're looking at a lot of bans. By 2021, we could see single-use plastics, and I've never understood plastic bags. Why, did, why are these even a thing? Who came up with this? We were doing just fine with the grocery bags that were big and brown. Brown paper bags, no problem. And I know if you had something wet in there, it would fall through the bottom. You know how many times that happened? I carried in the groceries as a kid. It was one of my jobs. You know how many times that happened? And I'm not that bright a guy. Zero. No times. None. You hold the bottom of the bag. Take an extra trip. Where did the brown paper bags go? Why did these silly plastic bags even come in? Should never have done that. Straws, they seem to be evil these days. If you look at what they do, yeah, they kind of are. They don't biodegrade very well. Cutlery plates and stirred sticks also going to be banned by 2021. So we'll talk more about that in 10 minutes or so. But look, look at the time. It is 1.12. Joining us from a street corner in Toronto where she is in full view of the line to get into Jurassic Park is Global News Radio reporter Brianna Carnegie. Uh, Brianna, I don't think the listeners can hear this, but I can hear it just faintly. Is that rain we hear around you right now? You'd be surprised, Mike. It's not rain right now. It's actually the traffic that's coming through here. And I'm hoping you'll get to hear with me uh, some of the honking because it's what's keeping these Raptors fans going. They've been here, some of them overnight, some of them since Friday night. Uh, a lot of people I chatted with this morning since 5 a.m., and those honks, people coming by, celebrating, cheering, that's really what's keeping them going throughout the day. So what do you see in front of you right now when you're talking about people who've been there since Friday? Yeah, so I am on the line up with the Gardner Expressway. Uh, so this is where the line started. It wraps all the way along the side of Scotiabank Arena towards Gate 4, if you know where that is, if you've been to Toronto and been to the games all the way down to Bay Street towards uh, Gate 3. And about an hour ago, they had to actually cut the line off because there were too many people lining up. That creates security concerns, and now they're moving them into different zones to keep them throughout the day until later tonight, hours from now, when the doors open at 7, and then they can go into Jurassic Park. Safe so what I'm seeing, there's a ton of people lining up. They have ponchos on because it was downpour earlier today. They have... Uh, 
umbrellas with them, many of them. There's even tarps that were circulating to keep people uh, hidden from the rain. There's Canada flags, Raptors flags, a lot of card games, a lot of music, Drake I'm hearing a lot. So it's just a party before the party. Global News Radio reporter Brianna Carnegie joining us from Toronto, where the lineup has actually had to be broken up and shifted around just for security purposes. Safe to say, if somebody in London was thinking, you know, you know, what we should do tonight. Let's uh, let's get off work. We'll get a bite to eat. We'll go down to Toronto and we'll go to Jurassic Park. That might not be all that easy. I'm guessing. <laughs> I will tell you firsthand. Do not do it. It is already packed up. You've missed your turn. You should have got here last night even, and maybe you would have got one of the first spots near the line. Were you able to speak with anybody who brought a tent? There was, and I know exactly what you're referring to. There's this media uh, post that's been circulating. This couple has been in the lineup at Scotiabank Arena since Game 4 ended. They've been lining up in their tent. And I have to tell you, I did come across the tent this morning, but it was not with the people. They had to move it out so that they could make more room for more fans to come in. Uh, that couple is still at the very front of the line, and they just seem so happy to be here. Same with everyone else, these people that are lining up. I'm, I'm looking at them right now. There's just smiles on everybody's faces. What do you think is going to happen between now and game time? Can the city of Toronto hit another level in terms of anticipation and excitement, or is it already there? It's already there. This is a moment in history. If the Raptors win tonight, this city is going to go wild. Uh, There's been parties already happening here, but I am telling you, it is nothing compared to what's going to happen tonight if those Raptors win uh, it'll just be those what we've been seeing already, like the people standing on top of dump trucks, on top of TGC buses. I don't know what level they can bring it to next, but uh, hopefully we find out tonight. Definitely. Brianna, uh, keep safe, keep dry, and thanks so much for the time. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Brianna Carnegie, Global News Radio reporter. So you can even hear the chants starting in behind Brianna right there. Those people are not going to have much of a voice by the time tonight rolls around. Here's hoping it happens. That's the hardest part about this. The Raptors still have a game to win against a team that has won three of the last four championships and has seen everything there is to see. Now, I'm not being a pessimist. I'm just saying don't get on a dump truck right now. Never get on a dump truck, actually. Never, never. Never get on a moving city bus. Never, never do that. Nothing good can come of that. But I can see better. No, no. Just for a second until you fall off. That's not a good idea. So here's hoping it happens. Everybody in St. Louis, there were roughly 100,000 people outside the rink last night in St. Louis wanting to celebrate a Stanley Cup championship. They all went home and went to bed. That was it. It was very quiet. Maybe they had a glass of water when they got home. Always hydrate. But... It didn't happen for them. Here's hoping the Raptors can make it happen for Toronto and Canada. Again, rain or shine, there is no mention of any thunderstorm coming through tonight. So lightning is the only thing that kind of puts a stop to Dundasic Park. But you can head there, Dundas Place. Tip-off is 9 o'clock. We'll talk more Raptors in just a little bit. Less than an hour from now, we'll talk with a guy who's been there from the beginning and has a major London connection. He's a Londoner now. That's how major the connection is. But up next, we're going to dig into harmful single-use 
plastics and what is to become of them in Canada. They're not going the way of the Raptor, that's for sure. No new heights for single-use plastics. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. You know when you have guests come over and you have a bit of a bash, maybe you did it Friday night, and those guests kind of leave a mess behind? You know, you've got some food laid out and they use plates and stuff and they just leave that stuff around and you wind up having to clean up the next day. Maybe you have to think back to college or university days. You have a party, somebody orders pizza late at night, a lot of pizza, leaving beer bottles around. We've been doing that with our earth for a long time now. You know, it doesn't take much to walk down a city street. What do you see? Oh, somebody's thrown away a cup. Somebody's dropped something. I mean, come on. I don't know why that happens. Don't do it. There's a reason that plogging exists. Remember plogging? Plogging is where you actually put on some good gloves, you grab a bag, and you go jogging or yogging, I believe it is, and you pick up garbage as you run along. That's plogging. There's a reason that has to exist because people are leaving garbage around. Well, when it comes to plastics, a lot of that stuff doesn't biodegrade, and you can say, ah, chirp, 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 whatever, give me a break, the earth is big. Yeah, but we've wrecked it. We've done a lot of bad stuff, and it's probably up to the next generation to get that done. Or it's up to people like us, all of us. And there are those who have stepped up and tried to give us a pathway to do it. Our next guest is one of the owners of The Naked Store. You can find them on Twitter at reimagineco underscore. Please welcome to London Live, Hino Rajani. Hino, great to have you with us. Hi, great to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. We had an announcement today from the federal government that by 2030, they want to tackle an issue that has seen $11 billion worth of plastic thrown away each year. And if we continue the way we're going by 2030, that's a big mess. So by 2021, they want to ban single-use plastics. When you hear this, being involved in the industry that you are in, is it something that makes you optimistic? Is it something that makes you skeptical? Give us a sense of where you sit. <laughs> a little a little bit of both. And so I think definitely it's a good thing that there is interest in this at a governmental level, that people want to make changes, that Justin Trudeau is saying that he wants to make changes. You know, there is also some skepticism there because I think also this is an is- issue that is popular and trendy globally right now. So there is, you know, a concern that maybe people are jumping on the bandwagon and, and how sincere and how committed they are to it may be a different matter. You know, also, I, I think that single-use plastic ban in the way that it's being proposed and the way that it's been enacted in some other countries ignore some of the actual other, other deeper underlying issues that, that pertain to plastics and the way that we consume in our society. Are we looking at just simply a change in the way we have our attitudes positioned? Because if we think about straws, about a year ago, we were still happily using straws. Now, in a lot of restaurants, anywhere, doesn't matter, London, outside London, outside Canada, you have to, if you want a straw, ask for one. I mean, that's, that's where this has gone in such a short period of time. So does this come down to just a change in attitudes and people would be fine, or is there more to it? 
A change in attitudes is part of it for sure. I think there is a lot that we can do as consumers is changing our behaviours. Like you said, plastic, single-use straws, they were ubiquitous. Now it's, it's becoming rarer and people are making choices, even if they're offered straws or straws are available to reject them. That's wonderful. It definitely is. And, and it's become known that, you know, the effects of single-use plastics, when plastics get into the oceans, the effects they have on wildlife and subsequently on humans when they get into the food chain. So that's become a very real visible thing for people. You know, we can make these changes on a consumer level, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, waste that happens that is not just plastic straws and stirrers and little things that we, we pick up, yeah, but, but, but there's other kinds of plastics that are, that are everywhere. And, you know, although there is this global movement, it's, it's, it's starting to form around reducing plastics or getting rid of single-use plastics altogether. The reality is that plastic production is increasing year on year on year. There's more and more plastics, including Canada. Plastic production is one of the fastest growing industries in, in Canada uh, at the moment, despite this, this messaging coming from the government. Isn't that wild? Hino Rajani joining us, one of the owners of the Naked Store. And it is something that came into being almost a year ago. You're almost ready to celebrate a one-year anniversary. Congratulations on that. When you look at some of the things that you have made available that become alternatives to products that we may use and then toss away, what do you find are, are really popular items or items that you see people coming back to purchase? Yeah, there's lots of things that, that we have in our, in our store that are really things to replace single-use plastic. So we have reusable straws, reusable containers, beeswax wraps, which are a reusable alternative to saran wrap. We have uh, reuse, you know, travel utensils. We have feminine hygiene products and uh, diaper, you know, cloth diapers. You know, all these things are things that you buy once. And, you know, none of these things are things that you need to lead a, uh, a zero-waste lifestyle. We do tell people don't buy our products unless you really need them. And, but once you buy them, hopefully there's things that you can reuse, reuse, and reuse and don't need to buy them again. The other thing we have is a refillery where you can get soap and shampoo and deodorant and body lotion and laundry detergent and multi-purpose cleaner and over 30 different products for the bathroom and kitchen in bulk. So you can bring your own container from home or borrow one of ours that people have donated or buy one and get as much or as little as you want of, of these products that are all organic and, and natural and, and you're not using that packaging all the time. So that's an aspect of single-use plastics that people don't talk about is these kinds of containers that, you know, plastics that there are plastics that can be recycled that don't get recycled. Over 90% of plastic does not get recycled, even though much of it can be. It's, that's the reality. So people think that getting rid of, rid of single-use plastics is the answer. People, uh, but, but, but actually, there's a lot of re recyclable plastic that doesn't get recycled. There's plastic that just um, that we use at different stages of consumption. If you walk into a grocery store and see all those things in plastic containers, no one's talking about banning those plastic containers, right? I think they should be. You know, I, th I think the real way that we consume and the idea that you can buy anything, whether it's plastic or whatever it's made of, and just throw it away, you know, uh, is, is, is redundant. You know, nothing in nature works like that. Everything works in a cycle. And so if we can find ways of reusing things, and we're starting to see that now, like, a lot of coffee shops now will offer a discount if you bring your own container, uh, so if you bring your own cup. Now we're starting to see that we bring your own container to certain restaurants. We started a, ca a campaign alongside the London Youth Advisory Council called Plastic Free London, where, which is we're celebrating those local businesses, over 30 that we know of, and I'm sure there are more that have cut out single-use plastics, whether it's straws or, or cutlery or, or something else, and we're putting them on a Google map and celebrating those, letting people to having people... Uh, know where those businesses are so they can choose to make those decisions. 
We're talking with Hino Rajani, one of the owners of the Naked Store, which you can find on King Street. And it shows you a world of, hey, yeah, the whole convenience thing, but what are we doing? What are we doing to our earth? Convenience kind of brings about all those plastics that you can just kind of throw away. You know, as a last question, you do live that zero-waste lifestyle, and a lot of people are going to say, ah, but it's so much work. Can you give us a sense of how much more work it might be to live a little bit more responsibly? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is It is a lot of work. And, you know, we have four kids, and so it's, it's a, it is to manage that – uh, is, is challenging. But what I say to people about zero waste, zero waste doesn't mean zero necessarily. It's about doing the best that you can. If you're making a decision that's better for you, that, that, that works for you, that you can reduce your impact somewhat, then you're doing better than 99% of people out there. So do what you can where you can. I would say to people, come to one of our workshops, Reimagine Co. You can find us on Facebook. You can see us on King Street in the old Novak's building. We have workshops every month where everything's completely free, all about educating and sharing information, building community around how can we make steps in our lives. So I would say to people, start with one step. You know, take your take your own reusable coffee cup to Tim Hortons. You know, start with that, you know, or, or you know, and, and then add things um, in time as you feel comfortable with it. It's not for everybody, but everybody is able to do something. So do what you can, where you can. We have that responsibility, as you said, to our earth. It's not just our earth. It's, you know, the earth belongs to all the creatures on it. It also belongs to future generations. So whatever we can do, taking one step where we can, it's gonna, it, it, can, it, can, it can be the start of a huge difference, a huge change. Hino, really great talking with you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Tim. Have a great day. Bye-bye. That's Hino Rajani, one of the owners of The Naked Store. And again, you can find them on Twitter or on Facebook at Reimagine Co. if you're interested in learning a little bit more. We'll take a break for news, and we're going to find out about a brand new show that really tackles some of the things going on in our world. This being one of them, as we have the Canadian government saying by 2021, they want a ban on single-use plastics. That'll be plastic bags, straws, cutlery, plates, all those sorts of things. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Before we close out single-use plastics, Paul, you had a thought that you wanted to let us in on. Well, Mike, how are you doing, buddy? I'm great. Yeah. So all I'm trying to suggest is, I mean, how I, I everybody I know is doing their part. I, I don't know people that don't try to recycle, take bags to the grocery stores, everything else. Now we've got the carbon tax. So by 2021, we're now going to, the carbon tax is going to triple on our gasoline. Now we're going to talk about dealing with all higher prices on everything else because it's going to cost more to not have plastic, you know, utensils and all that stuff. And, you know, yet it had to, how much more is the government going to put on everyday Canadians? So now the stats is what, 50% of Canadians live in paycheck to paycheck? Yeah, it's, yeah, like, that's about right. I know exactly what you're oh, saying. Okay, I know exactly, and you know, you make a great point. I think okay. in this case, I I don't mind things like getting rid of plastic bags because you know what we'll have to go back to something like that whether it's our reusable bags or whether it's the paper bags i mean you don't have to drink with a straw you don't have to eat with plastic forks so if it's just things like that i'm i'm not opposed to it right i'm I'm just saying our health care costs are going to go exponentially through the roof because of the aging baby like we have so many more critical issues that are going to cost all of us so much more money and now yet again this little like it's little things Mike, you know what I mean? Like your extra little, you know, uh, 
uh, income at the end of the month that you can discretionary income is just shrinking. Nobody can afford things, which is going to affect nobody's going to be able to go out to dinner as much anymore. Yeah. Nobody can play golf that many rounds anymore. Because it's getting expensive it, to do either of those things, right? Like going out heavy. for dinner with a family of four. I mean, checks are at least a hundred bucks, maybe not more. Mike, I called, I never really take takeout, but yesterday I just said, okay, you know what, I don't feel like cooking. I called Pizza Hut to, or sh- sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but I called the Pizza Hut place, okay? Small pizza and just 10 wings, $30. Yeah. $29.99, and I was just like, no, thank you. I'll, uh, I'll eat craft dinner tonight. <laughs> you, know, I'm not, you know, and I'm not saying I'm just, I'm just saying, like, this is going to cost us a lot of money for political points again with Justin Trudeau and all this. And I'm just saying, like, man, like, we're all trying our part. I think everyone is trying to be responsible. Do we need the federal government now to impose this on us? I, I just think that's all I'm trying to You say, ask right? an excellent question. I appreciate you for asking it. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. Take care. No, that's a very legitimate question. I mean, if you're told you have to wear these kind of pants, you know, it's like someone who has a uniform for work. And those uniforms will change every once in a while, right? And they will say, yeah, well, you've got to buy these pants here. Oh, but I can get a pair that look just like them, and they're only $10. <laughs> we have to buy them from our manufacturer because we made that deal because bottom line, and you have to pay $90 for those $10 pants. It happens. Richard, your thoughts on this? Good afternoon, Mike. How are you this afternoon? Great, thank you. While I have no nostalgia for the brown paper bag, I can remember that era standing at a bus stop right with my groceries, and I can remember my bread and my buns right getting all soggy and the bag ripping, etc. I know we have to do something, Mike, but going back to the brown paper bag, I do not believe that is the answer. And one other thing I want to say, there was once a provincial government, Mike, and they were three decades ahead of their time, and it was the former conservative premier, Grant Devine, and his conservative government in Saskatchewan back in 1988, they came up with an idea. They were tired, right, of looking at empty plastic bottles, right, as well as cans on the streets of Regina and Saskatoon and Prince Albert and etc. They said there's something right that we have to do about this. So in 1989, they set up a provincial recycling program, and, it, and they called it Sarcan, and they made it so easy and accessible. Saskatoon had five locations, Regina had five locations, PA had two locations, and every town had a Sarcan in it, and they still do to this day. I defy anybody to go to the province of Saskatchewan and try to find an empty beer can or an empty pop can or a juice uh, bottle, right, or any type of um, uh, disposable on the ground, because as soon as it's thrown there, people scoop over and they pick it up because it's automatically worth money. So I don't know why they can't have a provincial recycling program in this province. We don't have to have the federal government right dictating to this country and to the provinces, Mike, right, what we should have and what we shouldn't have. I think Ontario is smart enough. I think the taxpayers of this province are smart enough, and I think the uh, provincial government's smart enough. I think they could come up with a provincial recycling program here. And just think of the jobs it would create. My stepson, who has special needs, who lives in Nippon, he's worked for Sarkan now for 30 years. And he's bought himself a house, and he's done rather well. He's done better than some so-called normal people. So what I'm saying, Mike, it could create thousands of jobs, right, for people. And in other words, what I'm saying, right, it would pay for itself. And on one last note, I want to say to the Raptors Nation, being a former Saskatchewan uh, Rough Rider uh, fan myself and part of the nation there, 
I want you to celebrate tonight, and I want you folks to have fun, but I don't want you getting up on police cars and dancing on them, and I don't want you vandalizing right innocent uh, businesses and uh, people's properties. But other than that, I want to see you have a good time. I'll tell you, Mike, seeing a riot is not a pretty sight. I remember the Regina Police Service back in 76 when they went on strike for six and a half hours. Believe me, on Albert Street, it was not a pretty sight, and if it hadn't have been for the young RCMP recruits, it would have been much worse. So once again, Raptors Nations have fun, but remember, right, to respect other people's property and other people's lives. You have a good day, Mike. You have a great day. Celebrate responsibly, everybody. Here's hoping that that becomes a thing. Let's go back to the phones. Al, what are your thoughts on this? Hi, Mike. It's Al again. Hey, a uh, couple thoughts on this. About a year ago, I stood and I talked to an environmental engineer, and he said if he had the money he would make a landfill strictly for plastic. He said in the next 50 years, when they aren't going to be producing plastic like they are today, this money's going to be like, this plastic's going to be like gold. Hmm. He said, because they'll know how to use it. He said, technology is advancing so fast that they'll know how to use it. And this conversation was brought up because of all the K-Cups. You remember the talk gotcha. about that? They were shredding them and putting them in the landfill. And he said the hardest thing about that was it was hard to extract those tiny pieces of plastic. If you leave them whole, we will be able to use them in the future. Two more little points. He said, remember, the, we, when we started paying for plastic bags, there was never a deduction put in, and they talked about it if you brought your own bags in. So, so all the grocery stores and stores made money off these bags. Now they're selling them for a nickel. You don't think like it's a lot of money if you go to the teller. But if you've got 1,000 people going through that checkout per day, that becomes a lot of money. Oh, boy. And the other thing, nobody's talked about this is hemp. Why is it that we aren't exploring hemp more? We can, in one year, a field of hemp used would be the same amount as a field of trees in 100 years. We can grow the same amount in one year that we can get out of use of a, a field of trees over 100 years. Yeah, no, like, you're, you're right. And I think it's, it's simply going up against things like the plastics industry and things that are yep. already in place. And when you're a new kid on the block, ask somebody trying to break into the craft beer market right now. It is not easy. Yeah, see, the oil companies own this. And that's why hemp's not taking off as it should. But there's so many uses for hemp. And we all avoid talking about it. If society started talking about it more and wanting it more, I think we'd see it on our shelves more. Well said. Al, thanks for the call. Thanks. Bye. Let's take a quick break, and then we will return with more in just a moment. If you want to talk single-use plastics, if you are concerned, if you feel that things are being done now and we're not really getting rewarded for it, if you're concerned about how the government is going to take this over and what that's going to mean, 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. This is Global News Radio, 980cfpl. Talking a little bit about single-use plastics, we're going to talk some raptors in just a moment. Less than 10% of plastic used in Canada actually gets recycled. Then we've got other issues with where are we selling our recycling. I don't even want to open that one up right now. But by 2021, the government wants to ban single-use plastics. So plastic bags, straws, cutlery plates, and stir sticks. Can you live life without all that? Yeah, yeah, you can. But where does this end? And... Let's face it, Paul made a really good point at the beginning. Everybody wants that little bit more. And that is the problem with our society right now. The manufacturer of your loaf of bread is trying to figure out how to get three cents more out of everybody. 
That's a problem. Bottom line problems, they're big, and they're only getting bigger. Let's go back to the phones and talk to Mike. Hey, Mike. Hi. How are you feeling about this? Well, this is one of the rare occasions that I agree with uh, Richard. All right. I well, was, let us uh, know why. Friends in Nova Scotia this past summer, and they have a recycling program for their uh, plastic jugs and what, and that seems to make a lot of sense. But I also think that they should increase the uh, amount that you have to put as a deposit, and same for beer cans. In order to bring them back and and make it a greater incentive for people to actually put these things in the right spot. Yeah, 10 cents isn't really worth the time you drive around Watford or some rural areas uh, where I live, and uh, there's tons of beer cans and bottles on the side of the road. Mike, appreciate the call. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. 519-643-2222. Marilyn, how are you doing on this fine week? Oh, not too bad, thank you. I'm just surprised you remember the paper bags. Oh, I remember paper bags. Because you seem like a kid to me, you know, (laughs) comparison to my age. But, you know, I wish they they could do without all plastic items, as far as I'm concerned. I wish we could go back to glass. Yeah, I don't like broken glasses. Tin, yeah, the goats eat the tin, but... Look at dear, I grew up with that. Number 84. And I don't see too many scars all over you from cuts from glass? No. No. And, uh, let me see, glass, tin, tin. Um, cardboard, mm-hmm. wood, you know, the little wooden boxes that strawberries, well, now you wouldn't remember that. Oh, I remember those two. Don't, hey, don't make me younger than I am, Marilyn. <laughs> but anyways, and then uh, the baskets that, that tomatoes came in. That's right. Yeah, they were kind of wood. And, and, and peaches. Yeah. And these big bushel baskets, these big um, wooden ones. Well, if I, somebody I, could I ever wish... make those and, and oh. have people purchase them, that's I think they were ridden out of business a long time ago. Marilyn, thanks for the call, and okay. thanks for the trip down memory lane. Okay, dear. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Last word on this. Bob goes to you. We've got about 60 seconds. Yeah, well, I, I couldn't. I, Marilyn took the words right out of my mouth. I was going right down that same road. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, it, it makes sense. You know, we used to use glass. The milkman came. You, the bottles got picked up. I'm, we're not going to do that again. But uh, you could have depots to return the stuff, and you could have plants that, you know, uh, like beer bottles, right? Reusable beer bottles. Everybody brings them back, right? Get a few cents for them. Should do that for everything. But I don't understand even today why people don't have. They're not bringing their own bags to the grocery store. I mean, I, I've had my gigantic Costco bags. I load her up with like fifty pounds of groceries in there. I don't understand when I sit there and I see people still asking for plastic bags. Like, like, really, you don't know about you can buy recycle or you can buy bags you can bring with you. It isn't that hard. And you know what? I don't think we're yeah. going to miss that kind of stuff. So at least if it stays to what they're talking about now, I don't think we'll miss it. Bob, we got to run. Thanks so much for the call. All right. Have a good day, Mike. Bye-bye. We'll take a quick break. Up next, a guy who was at Jurassic Park on Friday in Toronto as we begin to talk more about Raptors. We're going to have a London connection to the Toronto Raptors from day number one, an employee And he'll join us to tell us some pretty wild stories, and that will come up after news. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. 
We are an hour away from Canada's first match at the World Cup of Soccer. We'll talk more about that next hour. Right now, we get to catch up with somebody in studio with us, our good buddy Weaver from Country 104. Friday night, he was determined to get into Jurassic Park in Toronto. But Weaver, come on, let's be realistic. That couldn't have been easy. Did you manage to pull it off? Well, let's just, to your point, state that the day I went... Raptors fans had started lining up at 5.43 in the a.m. I didn't arrive to Toronto till 5.43 in the p.m. So while I was at Jurassic Park, I was closer to the back than the front. That's for darn sure. But you got in. Absolutely did. How did you get in? Well, you just go. They just keep closing streets because people just keep showing up is what it is. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. There are police officers. There are metal barricades. And uh, as has been reported, let me shout out all the Canadians. Well respectful. Uh, well behaved. Uh, very friendly. It was just it was a very polite NBA final celebration is what it was. Uh, but yeah, as more and more people flow in, you know, you kind of get filtered through a maze of, of uh, barricades and whatnot. But sometimes those barricades keep getting pushed back. And all of a sudden, people are up on balconies and climbing hills. And for all I know, they were riding on the top of go trains. I don't know. They were (laughs) doing something, that's for sure. Well, you were there. What kind of vantage point did you have to see a screen? So, okay. So, originally, when I got into Jurassic Park itself, uh, I'm kind of wandering around. And I've got this great spot on the street. And then a local Toronto police officer on a horse came by and said, you can't be standing here in this particular spot. You got to go over here. So I went over there. Now there's a tree in front of me. So my girlfriend and I ended up spending uh, a good half an hour of our night strategically positioning ourselves for five-minute intervals. Because, you know, as the crowd shifts, all of a sudden, I'm over here now (laughs) and I can't see what I'm looking at, right? Weaver from Country 104 is with us, was at Jurassic Park for Game 4. Okay, now the ebbs and flows of this basketball game going back to Game 4, there were many, and it was a bit of a roller coaster ride if somebody was sitting on their couch at home. Being in that atmosphere, watching what was taking place, let's even just isolate it to the first half. What was the first half like where Golden State had a lead where it looked like, hey, wait a minute, they have enough here to 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 go. People were saying, well, Golden State was going to blow out the Raptors in one game mm-hmm. in this series. It was mm-hmm. just going to happen. So what was the, the start of it like? Well, in Jurassic Park, the vibe was very strong. Excitable, but at the same time, still with that little inclination of Raptors playoff history past. Waiting for the inevitable... A cold night from one of our shooters or the inevitable. uh, A couple defensive misplays. Golden State goes on an 18-0 run. Up, it's all over. But I tell you, the moment and uh, that the mood changed in Jurassic Park was when the third quarter began. Normally, we're expecting a Golden State run. But as was uh, put to me in Jurassic Park by thousands of screaming Canadians, the two three-pointers that Kawhi hit at the beginning of the third quarter, uh, I won't use the language, but uh, those those were the shots for the Raptors fans that everybody kind of looked around and went, wait, I think this is happening right now. And then the roof just blew off the place, basically. Weaver from Country 104 with us was at Jurassic Park in Game 4. If you go back before this year, you can call up different moments from the Raptors. You can call up Vince Carter, whether it's whether it's the shot against Philadelphia, whether it's a dunk, whether you can call up those moments. But Kawhi Leonard with the three against Philadelphia to win it in game seven. Then you have Kawhi Leonard with the two threes early. Where do you put those moments 
being the Raptors fan that you are for Raptors history? Does anything touch either of them? That is tough. Iconic Toronto sports moments. Touch them all, Joe. Ah, she's. We can't go back to 67, you and I. I mean, I'm I'm sure that was a great time for Leafs You know what? And I have to admit, I'm sure there was a great call when they won, but I just (laughs) never heard it. I don't know what it was. Touch them all, Joe. Uh, Jose Batista bat flip in the Kawhi Leonard Philadelphia series. Bounce, 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 bucket series. Those are my big three right there. Well, you have a smile on your face. I hope that smile remains on your face. What needs to happen tonight? Give it, give us a little bit of, take us in, in the, the coach's room if you were there. What needs to happen? How do they do this? The Golden State locker room after game four cleared out almost the fastest that it has cleared out this entire season. Playoffs and regular season combined. Doubt is starting to creep in. This is a championship team that has seen almost everything. They're going to come out, and they're going to come out to win. And they're going to come out focused. But if we're in that game, down by four the whole time, doubt is going to start to creep in moment by moment by moment. Put the clamps on in that third quarter run. We might be looking at some champions. But hold on. Hold on, because that's the closest I've come to saying we might win this. So I got to <laughs> knock on some wood right now. Got to knock on the wood Fortunately, right now. Fortunately, Weaver is surrounded by yeah. a wooden desk. This thing is massive. Well, let me tell you, uh, Toronto, either way, should you win tonight, well-deserved. And I look forward to your party because uh, the night that I was at Jurassic Park Friday uh, after the game, fans just poured uh, out of Jurassic Park into the streets. I've got some video on my Instagram of uh, Front Street West and University Avenue. Uh, Just fans on cars and buses screaming and yelling. Uh, Let me tell you what, we went for dinner after that uh, and came back, and they had already started lining up for Monday, so it's going to be an experience, that's for sure. Can't wait. So you can check out some of that video at WeaverFever7 on Instagram. WeaverFever7 on Instagram. It'll be like you were there, and for anybody who might be there tonight, enjoy yourself. Weaver, enjoy yourself wherever you happen to go. Are you walking the dogs again tonight? I am or? going to be celebrating my uh, sister Sarah Weaver's uh, birthday, as well as my girlfriend's who was last week. We're doing a combination thing with the family. Uh, that's from 7 until 8.59, and then I'll be racing uh, to whatever <laughs> television I can make uh, make it to. Sounds great. Enjoy. Thank you. Weaver from Country 104. We'll take a break for news. More to come on London Live after that. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. The world is waiting. At least the basketball world in Canada. Countdown continues. Game five tonight. And if you're looking to pass some time, well, there's something just in its own right, as exciting. The first match that Canada will play at the Women's World Cup of Soccer in 2019. Canada is ranked number five in the world right now in FIFA rankings, and they will face Cameroon, of course. A couple of Londoners, Jesse Fleming and Shalina Zadorsky on Canada's side. They kick off against Cameroon in about an hour from now. And so we'll follow what happens in that match. And, of course, the Toronto Raptors getting set to take on the Golden State Warriors. It was interesting last night, and it's been interesting to watch a couple of things the last day. Last night, the city of St. Louis was as ready to celebrate a championship as the country of Canada seems to be when it comes to basketball this evening. And it didn't happen. And there's a whole part of this that now has taken on a new life. I don't know if you caught the story early yesterday about the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. 
St. Louis Post-Dispatch is to St. Louis what our local paper is to London. So it, it's kind of the, the key paper's been there forever. And when you go to write a story, here's just a, a little journey behind the scenes. Let's say there is a big thing coming. There's a big event. News outlets will write a story about that knowing full well that this is what it is. You'll, you'll have the, the basis of it written. You may have to fill in a couple of things. But a lot of times you can take the chance and write a full story. It, a good example is an obituary. Picture somebody who is very important to whether it's pop culture, whether it's a city, and you know that at some point, unfortunately, they're going to pass away and it could be soon. You'll have that story written and it will be there. And a lot of times it is set as a draft on a web page. And then that way, as soon as confirmation comes, You can have that story out there so people can read it right away because that's kind of the demand in news these days. So you'll have a lot of different stories in draft form. Yesterday, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch didn't have a draft about the game but had a draft about congratulations to the St. Louis Blues on becoming Stanley Cup champions. And somebody misfired when it came to when that draft was going to be posted because what you do is you have that and then if you know something's going to take place... You put a timestamp on it, and then when that time arrives, boom, it just appears, and it goes live. Well, that went live yesterday morning, as if it was to come out Monday morning. Somebody missed it by a day, maybe. Seems like that's what happened. So there was a congratulatory message to the St. Louis Blues on winning the Stanley Cup and a few other things, and that was taken down, but not before people noticed it. And it's a mistake that can happen so easily. You have no idea how easily this can take place. And immediately fans started saying, well, that's a jinx. And then the Blues go out and lose last night. Now they have to go to Boston and play again. That's uh, that's going to be a tough one to get over. We'll see what happens on Wednesday in that. Tonight is a big night in Toronto. If the Raptors win, they are NBA champions. No Canadian team, the Toronto Raptors, the Vancouver Grizzlies... No one has ever won an NBA championship. A championship in a major sport, NHL, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, if we call those our four major sports in North America, hasn't been won by a Canadian-based team since 1993. Toronto Blue Jays, last ones to do it. Touch them all, Joe. You heard Weaver reference that just a few minutes ago. Montreal Canadiens won that year. Since then, nothing. Well, tonight, it could happen, and... There is a big London connection to the Toronto Raptors and their win. We have someone who we can now call a Londoner who has lived here since the middle of the last decade. And I still don't know what to call it. The aught, 20, aught, thousands? I, I don't know. What would it be? What would 2000 to 2009? What do we call that decade? We have to have a name for it. Somebody has to have come up with something. But... Our next guest moved here then with his wife, who had taken a position with the Robarts Research Institute, but he has been working with the Toronto Raptors as a statistician since the very beginning of the franchise. You also see him at London Lightning games at Budweiser Gardens because he is a statistician for the London Lightning. But we're lucky enough to have Carl Toulouse with us right now. Carl, what has it been like being as close as you have been to everything that has been going on? Well, it's 
I've, I've said this many times to so many people, it's, it's such an honor and a privilege to have this position because uh, I would guess that it's so sought after to, to, to want to do this. I, I'm a very fortunate man to be where I am today, and the ex- I'm just as excited as the fans are. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that tonight is the night. People who wake up lucky are the luckiest people in the world. Okay, let's uh, not to give away how people could apply for your job one day, but how did you get to where you are? Well, uh, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, I played basketball until um, I attended Sioux College in Sioux St. Marie, Ontario. I played two years there, and when I applied to a different program, Uh, to enhance my skills. I went to Seneca College in Toronto. Uh, I tried out for the team. I didn't make the cut, but I told the coach at the time, uh, his name was Ernie Armstrong. Uh, I said, Ernie, I've got to be part of this team. I know that I don't have the skills to go on. And uh, he said, well, I've got a manager. I've got somebody doing this. Have you ever thought of doing stats? And I said, well, I kind of tinkered with it in high school. And uh, yeah, sure. If you need somebody to do stats, I'm in. So he, he gave me these sheets, and I started with pen and paper with the men's team, got working with the ladies' team at Seneca College. Uh, Ernie was uh, reached out to by the NBA in 1991 for an exhibition game at Maple Leaf Gardens between Phoenix and Philadelphia. I was lucky enough to work that game with pen and paper. Uh, 1994, the World Championships of Basketball came along. Uh, I was still doing my duties at Seneca, so I was still on top of the uh, stats recording, I guess you could say. And uh, I worked the World Championships of Basketball. It was the first training that I received for recording stats electronically. And at that time, I met uh, people from the John Bitoff group uh, who were responsible for bringing the Raptors or the basketball franchise to Toronto. So... It all started by being cut from a basketball team to where I am now. And were you kind of a part of the Raptors then from the get-go, having known the Bitov group? I I am a day one guy, yes. You saw... Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've talked already, and, and many people have looked back to, really, the beginnings of the Toronto Raptors. The first three-pointer that was hit, did you somehow take pen and paper and write down a statistic on that first three? I did better. I recorded it with a computer. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the stat system for the NBA is, is unbelievable, uh, state-of-the-art. And I, I, I remember so many things about recording statistics with the computer that going back to pen and paper is kind of painful to think about. So even back mid-90s, they still had the computer system set, because everything's very different now, I'm sure, but even back then, that was it was not even pen and paper when the team first started. That's correct. And in fact, the package, computer software package that the NBA used up until 1995 was called Statman. And the year that the Raptors and Vancouver Grizzlies came in the league, uh, all of the Eastern and Western Conference teams met throughout the country, uh, the U.S. Uh, I was sent to Secaucus, New Jersey, where NBA headquarters offices uh, for the entertainment division, which that's where the statistics falls, and uh, received my first training on a package called IDF GameStats. Uh, that package was used up until three seasons ago. 
We're talking with Carl Toulouse, who is a statistician for the Toronto Raptors and also for the London Lightning. Let's make the London connection in all of this. Well, uh, I am fortunate enough to uh, have been reached out back when the NBL Canada was uh, starting up. And uh, a, a very good friend of mine, Bill Smith, uh, gave me a call I, at the time I was refereeing with the London Board of Basketball officials, the LBBO. And he said, Carl, um, I really don't know a lot about getting a stats crew together. I've got people for the score table. Could you come help? And I said, absolutely. I would really, really enjoy that. So uh, I work in a three-person crew in, in, uh, in London with uh, Jay Minielli and uh, Brenda Schultz. And Dominic Mape is uh, somebody who pitches in whenever one of us is away. And uh, there's, there's so many names at the table. Uh, Corey uh, looks after us. Uh, Lydia comes in and helps out. There's, there, there's so many names and behind-the-scenes things that happen. But, again, it's an opportunity I'm very grateful for. Carl Toulouse joining us, a statistician with the Raptors, with the London Lightning. And there are people who are going to be paying tens of thousands of dollars to be in the building tonight to see Game 5 with the Raptors and Golden State Warriors, the Larry O'Brien Championship Trophy in the building, history on the cusp, all that sort of thing. Now, you're going to be working, but you're going to have some of the best seats anyone could ask for. How, what is it like? Because, you know, it's one thing to, to watch a game. It's another thing to work a game. What is it like in, in being there? Or do you find you can spectate, you see absolutely everything because you almost have to? Or, or does it feel like work? It, it will never, ever feel like work. Uh, back in 95, we were in the very front row center. And with the evolution of... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but we were, we had to move, uh, relocate our position. We're now in the second row, center court, give or take two or three seats. Um, it, it, again, it doesn't feel like work. However, we know that there's a job to be done. We remain focused. Uh, not going to lie, if something very, very cool happens, I will make sure that my head is up to see it. Uh in addition, uh, there's a whole lot of little fist pumps going on whenever we score. Not going to lie. I, I, am, I, am, I am a fan. Game 7 against Philadelphia, the Kawhi shot. What are you going to remember from that? I uh, will remember uh, seeing the top of his head from his, uh, his arms, elbows up, the release of the ball, uh, Embiid flying past him, which I, I thought it was going to be a block watching the ball with a uh, trajectory which could have brought rain. It went so high. Uh, the clang, 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 drop. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I screamed out loud. I had both arms up. And uh, the gentleman who calls the games for me gave me a little nudge. He goes, Carl, record the shot. <laughs> so, yeah, I was pretty excited. What other moments going through this run for the Raptors? I mean, we could talk for years about the years that you've been a part of this, but this particular playoff run, what else are you? do you tell people about, do you talk about when they ask you, hey, what's this been like? It, there are so many words in our vocabulary, vocabulary 
I'm not sure I can find a word or a group of words to describe how thrilling this has been. Uh, but one other moment that I tell people about is at the game of the end of game six against Milwaukee, when you had that sense of relief, Kyle Lowry let out the biggest smile walking down the court because we knew that it was victory and the series was over and we were going to the show watching. I was in awe, just looking across the court, seeing Kyle smile. And it was just that sense of, Oh my God, we are really going to the championship final. This is just so wild. Carl Toulouse joining us, statistician for the Toronto Raptors for the London Lightning. He'll be on the table tonight. So describe what your job is tonight. Okay, tonight I am in a seat called the primary. And what I will be doing is I will be uh, using a laptop computer. The gentleman beside me is a caller. He will be calling out in a language sort of like a play-by-play that you hear on TV, but for me to record in the software that we have. So, for example, when Kyle Lowry uh, hits a number of his three-pointers tonight, I will hear field goal made, Raptors 7, jump shot, assist, Raptors 2, and we move on. So, when we look up play-by-play on, let's say, NBA.com, and you see all of those things, that's you. That's You're doing that. That's me or, or my partner, Steve. Uh, we alternate chairs throughout the season because we have a we have a a, a significant well uh, well to do team, um, and we have to share. We have to rotate the seats, and I am fortunate enough to be assigned to Game Five tonight. And you will be there in that primary in that position, and you will be as close to the action as anybody could ever dream. Can you hear a lot of the dialogue from players, things like that, as as the game goes on? Uh, near near the uh, near the center court area, yes. But uh, really, the crowd noise is so vocal, so loud. The excitement, the thrill, everything. And another thing, I'm wearing a, a headset with uh, two uh, two earmuffs, so really. I I have to remain focused, so I'm I'm listening to my my caller give me the play by play what's going on. Gotcha. Now at the same time, have you lifted an earpiece just a little bit? Can you compare the the sound of the final versus the sound of of anything else you've ever heard in that building? Uh, in in game one, I was in the secondary computer role. And it only has one earmuff, so I have to communicate. I also have to communicate with the person that sits to my left who does the uh, video uh, replay if we have to solidify uh, anything that might be up in the air. Like, for example, who stole the ball? Sometimes it's tipped from behind. Sometimes it's a, it's a very obvious deal, but we have to verify everything. We have to be 100% accurate. Um, but those kind of opportunities when I'm working secondary, I can hear the fans in the front row right behind me, uh, sometimes giving it to Steve Kerr, uh, sometimes giving it to some of the players coming in or players going off that have uh, just had a foul call against them or a turnover. So 
there there is a huge entertainment value whenever I I can hear it, <laughs> listen in. <laughs> well, Kyle, well, if if we look at at this particular thing, Carl, it has been amazing talking with you. It's been amazing hearing these stories. We'll have to talk some Raptors history someday. Here's hoping they're able to make some pretty significant history tonight. Oh, I hope so too. And and for the fans, I I just so I'm so happy for the fans that they've been able to witness such a a great run. You can you can feel that the entire country is about to burst. It's just amazing. Thanks so much for the time today. Enjoy tonight. You are welcome. Thank you, Mike. Carl Toulouse, statistician for the Toronto Raptors from day one, thanks to being cut from a basketball team. If you weren't listening right at the beginning, he had played at Sioux College and academically transferred to Seneca, didn't make that basketball team went to the coach and said, I have to be a part of this team. I have to do something. Coach said, I have a manager. I have this. I have that. I have all those spots filled. I could use you as a statistician. And that has led to an amazing ride all the way through the Raptors from day one until what could be an incredibly special day today. We'll see. We will take a break. We'll let you know what is still ahead on London Live. We have Canada versus Cameroon to talk about, and we have something brand new that will keep you up to date on what is happening in our world. We'll have details on that as well. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. A London connection to Game 5 of the Raptors. We've talked about that. Two London connections to Team Canada at the Women's World Cup of Soccer. Canada is ranked number 5 in the world in women's soccer going in in the FIFA rankings. These are the rankings that, unfortunately, on the men's side, and maybe this will change at some point. You look at the growth of soccer in this country on the boys' side, the girls' side, but Canada will be sandwiched somewhere around 92 or 107th. Well, the women's side, number five. This is a team that has a real chance this year, and they have a decent group. They're up against Cameroon today. They are up against the Netherlands and New Zealand in other group games, so we'll talk about that. We are also going to talk about the two London connections. We'll get you set for kickoff for Canada and Cameroon at 3 o'clock. We are also going to talk about, wait, there's more. Maybe we'll just leave it there, because wait, there's more. It is a brand new podcast, and it will show you to some stories that maybe you wouldn't otherwise find. We'll talk with the host in about 10 minutes. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Okay, I know that the NBA season is not over yet. The Stanley Cup hasn't been won yet. Game 7 between Boston and St. Louis will be on Wednesday. We're just getting going in some other seasons. But if you want to know when the London Knights are going to begin the regular season, that news is out. Friday, September 20th, the London Knights will host the Peterborough Peets at Budweiser Gardens at 7.30. And then, because the Barry Colts home opener is the very next night and happens to involve the London Knights, we know that the Knights will go to Barry 
on Saturday to face the Barry Colts. The OHL schedule, obviously very close to being released because the home openers have come out today. So, Knights and Pete's, get your ticket. No, they're not yet, not yet, but just have this in mind. Friday, September the 20th, Knights and Pete's. Saturday, September 21st, if you've never been to Barrie, it's a wonderful city. It's a great building to watch a game in. Go and see the Knights and the Colts in case you have some major junior fever. Do you? It's just a few months away. All right. From there, we are going to talk a little bit more about another championship that is being won, and that is the Women's World Cup of Soccer. Canada very much in the mix. We'll do that in a few minutes. But up next, we're going to talk about Wait, There's More. The first episode comes out today. And if you have listened to a podcast called This Is Why along the Curious Cast Network, I really like This Is Why. This seems to be something that that could bring us more information like that, where you dig into a story. And we're going to talk with the host of Wait, There's More in just a moment, Tamara Kandaker. And she's going to take us through what she and her crew are looking to uncover, looking to bring to us as they continue to roll out more episodes of Wait, There's More. Episode number one is out there now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your favorite shows. But the night schedule underway, and now, guess what? Toronto Raptors and Golden State Warriors, game number five this evening. If the Raptors win, I don't know what's going to happen. Remember what Richard said earlier this hour, celebrate responsibly. Don't be finding the nearest thing to climb up. Don't do that. Was it... Philadelphia, when the Phillies won, might have even been the Super Bowl, where the guy climbed the light standard. And remember, they were having to grease the light poles? Yeah, because people were climbing them, and somebody found a way up on one. Don't. Don't climb high in the air. What is it with climbing high in the air? I've never understood that. People will do that. Championship. i got to climb something. No. Keep your feet on the ground. Celebrate responsibly if, in fact, that's what you do get an opportunity to do. Next up, we'll talk with Tamara Kandaker, the host of Wait, There's More. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Okay, time to answer an email. This one comes from Brad. You can email anytime, mike at 980cfpl.ca. We'll do our best to find answers for you. Brad says, Mike, I haven't heard. If it rains, will there be a Jurassic Park in downtown London tonight? We can answer that question. That one's an easy one. Brad, thank you for that one. I always like easy questions. Yes. Rain or shine? I don't know if Dundasic Park is catching on. I hope it is. But rain or shine, there will be a Raptors viewing party for Game 5 downtown London. And if you haven't been there yet... All you have to do is go to Dundas Place, and this is the flexibility of Dundas Place, to be able to say, you know what we should do? We should have a viewing party, and uh, let's just have that. And let's put it on Dundas, it will just close off that stretch. It's helpful probably that another part of Dundas is under construction, so there's not a lot of through traffic all the way through on Dundas at the moment, but this is the kind of thing that 
this can do. So Dundas Place toward Rideout. So it's closer kind of right in front of Budweiser Gardens. If you want to picture that, head down there and it'll be you and hundreds or even thousands of your closest friends celebrate responsibly if, in fact, you get an opportunity to do that celebrating. Let's hope. This is not easy. The St. Louis Blues went through this last night. You know what it's like? It is an awful lot like if you've ever planned, uh, let's say, a, a wedding. Have you ever planned a, a wedding or a convention or a family reunion? If you've ever planned anything like that, that's what it's like to be the Toronto Raptors tonight. Because there's a lot of pressure. If you're the one who's planned the wedding or you're the one who's planned the family reunion, what do you want for everybody? What do you want for every guest who's coming? You want them to have a good time. Absolutely. We're going to have a great time. Well, you're always worried about whether or not they're having a good time. And I'm not saying that the Raptors are thinking about that from their fan standpoint, but it's there. It is in the backs of their minds. They have seen the pandemonium. They know that they really need to win this game. You don't want to let Golden State back into this in any way. And when you know your fans are there and you want to give them that big celebration, you want to give yourself that big celebration, you want to give the team that big celebration, that's something that you have to deal with. Now, the good news, the way that the Toronto Raptors have been approaching things, they're they're ready for that kind of thing to be in the backs of their minds. When things don't go well, Nick Nurse, their head coach, has done a great job calling timeout, getting everything settled down, getting to any root of any problem during games. And then he sends them back out and hopes they succeed. And 15 times so far in the playoffs, that's exactly what they have done. We'll see whether they can complete their story tonight in 2019. If you are looking for big, big stories, then we have something brand new to tell you about. If you love big stories, but stories that maybe you wouldn't uncover on your own, then this is what we need to point you to right now. It is brand new. It is called Wait, There's More. It is a new podcast, and it is hosted by Tamara Kandaker, and we're lucky enough to have Tamara with us right now. Tamara, how is your Monday going? It's going really well. It's been very busy. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for being here. We get all kinds of news thrown at us, news, advertising, you name it. Everything seems to come flying at us, and you are finding a way to take all of that stuff that's flying at us, and yet... Get us kind of inside. Explain what you want to do with Wait, There's More. Yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's, um, it's you know, kind of slowing down the news cycle because we have uh, a million things being thrown at us every day. And sometimes it's really hard to kind of sit down and understand what's really going on and piece all the different pieces of a story together. And that's what we're going to try to do with the podcast is focus on one issue or one story per day talk about it for 15 to 20 minutes talk about like I mean, talk to the newsmakers and the storytellers who know that story best and get them to explain that story very deeply so that by the end of the episode you have a pretty good grasp of what's going on and you just mentioned by day so this is a a daily during the week is it yes it's five days a week <laughs> every weekday amazing 
So take us inside a story meeting in terms of how you have to decide what you want to go after and and how you're going to attack that story. Well, I think um, we're just constantly following the news and, and looking for ways to unpack really complicated concepts, you know, um, questions that we're really struggling with and we feel like is, are not really being answered by uh, traditional um, uh, TV and radio broadcasts because of the time limits and, you know, stories that need a little bit more explanation. Like, that's usually the angle that we'll go for. Um, also, the other thing that we're looking for are just uh, fresh voices and new perspectives that you may not hear on an issue. Um, so those are the kinds of people that we're hoping to bring on to the show to talk about uh, that day's news. Tamara Kandacker joining us, host of Wait, There's More, a brand new podcast on the Curious Cast Network. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, on Curious Cast. And like you say, how many times do you have the opportunity to sit back and listen to, say, 15 minutes on a single story? It doesn't happen very often, does it? Mm-hmm, exactly. So when you look at episode number one, give us an example of, of the story that you tackled and, and how you went after it. Sure. So episode one is out. Um, it's actually based on a global exclusive investigation. It's, it's, a, it's an investigation by our reporter, Andrew Russell. And Andrew looked at the fallout of um, a Supreme Court decision called R.V. Jordan, which came down in 2016. And that decision essentially put time limits on how long it should take for a case to go from charges being laid to the end of a trial. Um, and it said that if uh, it takes longer than a certain amount of time, then the person accused of the crime has the right to have their charges dropped. Um, and so what Andrew found is that since uh, 2016, around 800 cases across the country have been tossed out because they've exceeded the time limit set out in Jordan. And in the episode, I talked to Andrew about his reporting um, I have clips from Andrew's interviews with a family that's been impacted by this, and I also talked to a criminal lawyer, so we kind of get the full uh, picture of what this actually means. That is fantastic. So that is today, and now you're probably hard at work on tomorrow already. Yes, yes we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't, we won't hold you too much longer. What is it that you love about covering stories? Um, well, I mean, I can tell you what I love about covering about the podcast medium and and the kind of journalism that we're trying to do with the podcast. Um, I love being able to tell a story in a way that really sinks in. And I think the podcast medium is great for that because the tone is just really conversational and it kind of feels like you're hanging out with a friend who's talking to you about the news. Um, and also, uh, yeah, I just love being able to tell all sides of the story and just like really sink my teeth into something, even if it's for one day, I think I just find that really fun. And I, I hope people enjoy it. Is there a time of day when we can expect the podcast to come out? Yeah, we're aiming to publish every day and time for people's commute home. So around 5 p.m. Eastern. Outstanding. Well, the first episode is up right now. And again, you can download that on Apple Podcasts, on Curious Cast, on Google Podcasts. You can listen on Spotify as well, wherever you happen to get your favorite shows. Tamara, can't wait to see what continues to come out of this because the first episode is absolutely enthralling. And uh, we really appreciate the time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. That is Tamara Kandacker, host of Wait, There's More. And again, as Tamara pointed out, we can we can come at stories from any different angles, but a lot of times it's difficult to really dig in and cover just one particular story. 
you look at a regular radio show like this one, we're covering a number of different stories. And sometimes, yeah, we can dig our teeth into all kinds of different parts of it. They're going to aim to do that each and every day. So another one of those things where, hey, on the commute home, it's an opportunity to listen to one of those stories that you can get some behind the scenes on and get a better understanding of. And when you think of that very first episode, 800 different criminal cases that fall into this category where if enough time goes by, everybody just kind of shrugs and says, yeah, well, sorry, that's it. If it takes too long to wind through the courts, then the charges against the accused can be stayed. Is that something that should happen? You'd like to say no. It's something that does happen. To find out more, the first episode of Wait, There's More is out there. We'll take a break. Up next, we'll get you set for Canada and Cameroon. Tell you a little bit more from the mind of someone who knows both of them as to what makes Shalina Zadorsky and Jesse Fleming, the two ties from London to Canada's women's soccer team, such great Players, players that they are taken for Team Canada again and again and again in international competition. Martin Painter next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. The Women's World Cup of Soccer got underway on Friday. France had a big start. They are the host nation. They, of course, are very, very good. The United States... Very, very good. Canada, very, very good. Top five in the FIFA women's rankings. And earlier today, Argentina and Japan played to a scoreless draw, which is an interesting result when you think about Argentina as the power that they are. In the women's game, Japan is very, very good. Argentina, maybe not quite what the men's side is, but... That right there is a very interesting result. Canada will face Cameroon, and Canada has two, two players with London ties. Shalina Zadorsky was born in Kitchener and then came to London, got a lot of her main training in soccer in London. Jesse Fleming is from London and has been an amazing player at such a young age to be kind of noticed, get on that radar for Canada at as young an age as Jesse Fleming did, was remarkable. We had a chance to talk with Martin Painter, one of the top soccer coaches in this area, and to give you an idea of what to look for from Shalina Zadorsky and Jesse Fleming as the Women's World Cup gets underway, here is Martin talking about the strengths of both Shalina and Jesse. There's certain qualities that stand out. She's, she's athletic, she's strong, she's two-footed, uh, she's very versatile. Um, but the thing that stands out the most to me about Shalina would be her character. Um, incredible work ethic, uh, incredible team teammate. You know, you know, uh, even when she's one of the most talented and best players, she has she doesn't bring any ego or. You know, she just works hard. She's she's and she's very reflective, and she's you know she's got to where she's got. I would say there's talent for sure, but there's there's a lot of work that's gone into that and and dedication. She is a defender, typically. When you look at at that particular position in soccer, it can be difficult to notice the people who are very good. As we watch Canada play, what constitutes, wow, Shalina just did that? Yeah, I think, again, Shalina actually grew up as a striker, um, as an attacking player. And and as as she went into university, she uh, she adjusted. And as she went into national youth teams, they adjusted her. And I think that's not uncommon. But um, what, what stands out, again, would be her ability to read the game. 
Um, if you just watch her positioning and her anticipation, the way she can pick up movement of attacking players, uh, the way she works within the unit, the defensive unit, her spacing, uh, you know, her ability to step up when needed and, and keep shape at other times, uh, and then obviously her quality on the ball. So you see her first touch, her ability to play forward, to break lines when, when she can, and again, she's got that technical ability and, and vision, so I think she's a very well-rounded, all, all-around player. We are talking with Martin Painter. Let's move to Jesse Fleming. You coached against Jesse Fleming. Is that one of those matches, even when you have a, a young age, you think, okay, we, we've got a player we've got a game plan for? Yeah, well, I mean, Jesse was, you know, from a very young age, from the first time anybody saw her, I think she stood out. Uh, incredible soccer brain, um, incredible, like, athleticism, moves really well, and she's just got some vision and some instincts that are, are, are very, very rare, and that's why she's, you know, one of the best players in the world. So, you know, that was obvious. I mean, at the youth level, I don't know if we necessarily game-planned against her, but we were certainly aware of her, um, and it was an extra challenge for whoever was playing against them. And, you know, she's a, she's a phenom. To see her rise up the ranks as young as she did, what is that like? Yeah, it's, it's you know, once in a while you see a generational player like Jesse, and then the question is how is she going to develop um, as she grows older? Because obviously there's, there can be physical challenges, there can be psychological, emotional challenges, and, you know, she rose to the occasion every step of the way, and I think that just speaks to her character and her background and, and her family. She's a very well-grounded person. Again, for a person... With her level of ability, there's not a single person that you could find that would have a negative thing to say about her as a teammate. And I think it's those qualities that kind of transcend the soccer field that have, you know, and both with Jesse and Shalina that have allowed them to be, become as successful as they have. That is Martin Painter on both Jesse Fleming and Shalina Zadorsky, two London connections to Team Canada getting set for their first match at the Women's World Cup of Soccer. Canada will play New Zealand and the Netherlands after this, and then we'll take stock of where they are in the group stage, and they will get an opportunity to move on to the round of 16. There are 24 nations at the Women's World Cup of Soccer, so it works slightly different than the Men's World Cup in which there are 30 32, meaning if you finish top two in your group, you are through. And then they have some third-place teams based on records and goals for goals against differential who can get in. So we'll follow the standings for you. We'll follow what Canada does in sports. We've got news on the way next. It is the Raptors and the Golden State Warriors tonight. Lots of stories coming up about that. Thanks to Matt Trevithick and thank you to Andrew Graham for their help in behind the scenes. London Live brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln at 684 Warncliffe Road South. This has been London Live and you're listening to Global News Radio 980 CFPL.